Amen. You bring your Bibles? Amen. Let's make our declaration. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, today we thank you for your word. It's alive. It's quick. It's powerful. God, it brings a division into our lives of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. reveals to us the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Father, we thank you. You bring separation for clarification in our life so we can see the areas that you're desiring to bring transformation to so we can be conformed to the image of your son we give you praise and glory for your work in our lives in jesus name and somebody said amen, amen. praise the lord well open your bibles up to second timothy chapter one and uh, the title of my message this morning is just i know in whom i have believed I know in whom I have believed. Does anybody know in whom you have believed? It didn't say, I know what I believe. It says, I know in whom I have believed. And so that's really what we're going to drill down on a little bit this morning, knowing in whom we have believed. Paul says in 1 Timothy, chapter, 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 1, he makes this declaration. And, be, and let's just go back up to verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a what? Spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, the inference there is that God hasn't given a spirit of fear. The spirit he has given us is the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the Holy Spirit. Amen? Verse 8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our work, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus, watch it, before time began. Wow, that's a whole other lesson, but that's a great thought. Verse 10, but has now been revealed by the, by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentile. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. How many are looking forward to that day? Amen. Amen. How many know the crazy our world gets? We just go, Lord, could that day come just a little sooner? Amen. Mike Amatiso said he, he saw a news bulletin today that, that a, a father was arrested for calling his daughter a she. So let me just tell you, you live in a crazy world. If dads are getting arrested for calling their daughters what they are, well, just moving right along. Romans chapter 4. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. There is an identity crisis in our world today and people trying to give us identity. And uh, it wouldn't be bad to go back. Maybe, Lord willing, if you'll let us, we'll go back and teach again on identity, value, and directions. Whoever gives your identity also sets your values. And once they set your identity and your values, then they take you in the direction they want you to go. That's exactly what's happening in our nation and our culture. Why identity politics? Why identity? Everything is about identity. What do you identify with? If you don't identify right, then, and, and your identity, every identity they give you comes with a set of values. 
And when you have identity and values, then you, you have a set direction. That's what takes you in your direction. That's what Jesus said with the lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Had to do with identity, value, and direction. But that's not our lesson this morning. That's just where our world is. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 4, and I want to begin in verse 3. I want to read some verses here. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So we're talking about, I know in whom I have believed. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Go to verse 17. As it is written, God declares to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Look at verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider. Somebody say not consider. The thing that trips us up and stumbles us in our walk with God is the things that we consider above and over his word. Amen. He did not consider, watch this, his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. So God's telling you at their age you're going to have a child. He goes, that's going to take a miracle. Amen for both of us. Praise the Lord. So what? Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21. Being fully convinced. Just say it with me. I'm fully convinced. Amen. Something happens when we become fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was able to perform. And according, how many know that, that being a hundred and having a child, it's going to take somebody else to help with that. <laughs> Amen. So if God said he's going to do it, then God's going to perform it. Hallelujah. Therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who, has delivered, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. Praise the Lord. So in knowing in whom you have believed, there's some criteria that we have to deal with. First of all, it's so important for all of us to guard ourselves from the debilitating disease of mental ascension. Sometimes we think just knowing, means, knowing stuff means the same thing as knowing Him. That's not true. Mental ascension is the increase of the, in knowledge of God without true relationship with God. So then the question arises, is that really possible? Absolutely. Are we, just to simply, are we just simply called to know about God and acquire knowledge about Him as we would say in any other subject matter of life? Or are we just to assimilate facts and truths and principles without any type of personal relationship? Amen. You know what? I had a conversation with our kids as, as, our, as parents. What we do is we raise our children to know the truth. But the reality is, is that knowing and choosing are two different things. So when you raise your children to know the truth, that doesn't mean that they don't have to choose the truth just because you raised them to know the truth. And because they've been raised to know the truth, if you've raised them up rightly, then they know the answers and the choices that they're supposed to be making. But knowing and choosing are two different things. Are you doing all right? 
And so choosing comes when you have a personal encounter with the one you've been raised to know. And then you make a choice. And I would try to encourage our kids. I said, hey, I pray that you know him before you need him. I pray that you would choose him. One reason we built the Lord's gym was we're trying to rescue young, reach young people before we have to rescue them. Our desire is to reach them before you have to rescue them. How many got saved as being rescued? I did. I got rescued from my own self. How many got rescued from yourself? Okay, how come every hand's not up? Well, I didn't need no rescue. I don't even know why I'm saved. Oh, come on. Amen. But, so we're, we're actually supposed to know him. Our faith to believe, to, to, for our faith to be life-changing and transforming, it must be more than just words, truth, principles, and doctrines. It must be in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your faith is to be in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Oswald Chambers states it like this in his reference to Abraham in Hebrews 11:8, which says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Watch this. He went out not knowing where he was going. How many felt like that serving the Lord? Man, I'm going. Not sure where I'm going, but I'm sure he'll tell me I'm there when I get there. Amen. Hallelujah. So watch this. This is, what, this is how Chambers explained that in his devotional. He says, faith never knows where it's being led. But it loves and knows the one who is leading. Faith loves, knows, and trusts the one who is leading. Listen to what God said to Abraham. Get out of the land of your father and, and, I, and follow me into the land that I will show you. And the land I take you, that's your inheritance. And so we go trusting him, not knowing really where he's leading us. It is a life of faith, not intellect and reason, but a life of knowing who makes us go. Abraham said, I, I don't know really where I'm going, but I know the one who's making me go there. Amen? That's so exciting. The life of faith is not always mounting up with eagle's wings, but a life of walking and not fainting. I like that. A life that has been tried and proved and has stood the test. Praise the Lord. Amen. So look inside your outline, if you would. Go with me to John chapter 17, the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter. Jesus, as we call this his high priestly prayer, his last prayer with his disciples. So I must know in whom I have believed. John 17, verse 3, Jesus praying says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you. Now, let me put you like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that God was in the world reconciling the world to himself. Not to knowledge about him, but actually to himself. Amen? And so that means that we're being brought into a personal relationship with the Heavenly Father. And He brings us back into that personal relationship with Him. Adam and Eve in the garden had a fellowship with God. God walked with them. They fellowship with Him. They didn't just know about Him. God just, they didn't know about Him just by looking. They actually had a personal relationship with God. That's what you are brought into through the Lord Jesus Christ. You're reconciled to the Father in a living relationship with Him. Amen? That's where we live. Hallelujah. And so Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, 
whom you have sent. Praise the Lord. And so it's too easy just to approach the knowledge of God and not the person of God. It's easy to approach the knowledge of God and not the person of God. How many of you have ever read the book of Job? The book of Job is filled with a lot of knowledge about God. But the interesting part about the book of Job is reading the last chapter. Amen. Turn to Job chapter 42. And just Job's statement is powerful. Job chapter 42 and beginning in verse 1. This is Job's answer after God just spent four chapters talking to him. Three chapters talking to him. 38 through 41. Because everybody been ta- everybody been talking about God and then God says, okay, it's time for me to ask a couple of questions. And then he gets three chapters of questions that nobody can answer. <laughs> Chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask this, who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you and you shall answer me. Here it is. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes, what? See you. Now I really know you. Therefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. So all that stuff surrounded Job, all about a knowing about him and, and, and hearing about him and everybody talking about this is why God does this, this is why God does that. And Job said, wait a minute, now that you've showed up and I've had a, an encounter with you, doing all right? Now I, I really know who you are. And that's what God has for us, that we wouldn't have an encounter with him. How many know that, that Paul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus? And that changed his whole life. That's what happens to us. And so in this time, in this hour, when we celebrate uh, Resurrection Sunday that's coming up, Jesus died and rose again so we could literally know our Heavenly Father and be brought into a living relationship with him. You see, we fight to preserve traditional definitions of marriage, family, the right to life, and other foundational truths and principles that are key to a free society. We need to fight as well to preserve the traditional definition of a Christian. Amen. Well, maybe I'll, I'll read this one section. Francis Chan wrote a book back in 2008 called Crazy Love. Amen. It was about just going off the chart, not being in the traditional mode, but doing the stuff that Christians are really supposed to do. Amen. But he makes this a statement. And he says, uh, <coughs> excuse me, let me go to the last page that I want to read here. He says this. He says, the goals of American Christianity are often a nice marriage, children who don't swear, a good church tendon, taking the words of Christ literally and seriously is rarely considered. That's for radicals who are unbalanced. And why go overboard? Most of us want a balanced life we can control that is safe, that does not involve suffering. Well, yeah, I'll sign up for that. That's not Christianity. Amen. Christianity is dying and identifying with the death and burial of the Lord Jesus Christ and living a resurrected life. 
Amen. It's life after death. Praise the Lord. So Paul declared that I know in whom I have believed, not in what I, in, in, not in what I have believed. I know in whom I have believed, not in what I have believed. It's too easy to reduce the person of God to a system of beliefs. It, that can easily be laid aside for convenience sake and then picked back up at a later time as well. Well, this is what I believe and I'll pick it up when it's convenient. Now watch this. It's hard to lay aside a person. Amen? Hard to lay aside a person. It's hard to ignore a person. You can't do that with a person. Jesus confronted that in his day. They had made their religion, their tradition, and he came as the person of God and messed things up. Amen. And that's what he wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do in my life. He doesn't want us to become religious with just knowledge about God. He wants you to have engagement with the person of God. Amen. He wants you to know Him. Think about it. There's real danger of allowing the Word of God to become an impersonal container of truth and not the living body of truth that became flesh and dwelt among us. Your Bible says and my Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word, verse 14, John 1, 14, became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the living Word. And when I have an encounter with the Word, I'm having an encounter with the living God. I know God personally. God, every time you open this book... And read it. God is talking to you personally. It's a personal communication between you and your heavenly father. Amen. So watch it. When we allow the word to become less than the fullness of God personally in our life, it loses its power to perform in our life. Oswald Chambers stated, Abraham did not have faith in just words, but in the very person of God himself. He was trusting God, not just what he heard, but the one who said what he heard. And that's what's so important. Because people say, well, I know the Bible says that, but then we struggle in believing in the one who said it. It isn't just what the Bible says. It is what God said. The Bible isn't just printed page of word. The Bible is a record of what God has said and recorded for us to have. Amen? And if you ever think, if you ever do a study on how the Bible has, has come into existence and how it was kept and all the manuscripts extant and how everything has been put together and compiled and come together and preserved and how it's been fought against, how it's been trying to be taken out. Look at what's been taken out of our schools. Look at what every time they try to get it out. Because if this gets into a society, look at the countries where this is banned. Over 50 countries in the world refuse to have a, they have a ban on allowing this book into their country. Why? Because if this truth gets in there, it changes culture. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So watch this this morning. If the Word of God is not alive, then it is no better than any other book of human philosophy. So the Word of God has to be the living, breathing Word of God in our life. What about godly fear? We know that the Scriptures over and over exhort us to fear not. 69 times in the Old Testament. God tells us to fear not 15 times in the New Testament. You can read these scriptures in Isaiah. Yes, there is godly fear that belongs in the life of every believer. You need to have reverential fear and respect of God. Amen. How many have a healthy fear for fire? Amen. How many know you don't touch fire? Without asbestos gloves on or something. Amen. You, you just don't stick your hand into raw fire. Well, your God is a consuming fire. 
And you don't handle God without being covered by the blood. You don't handle God in the right manner. God has made a way for us to approach Him and not be consumed. And if you don't understand who He is, that our God is a consuming fire, and you try to approach Him and you get burned, it's not His fault. Amen. How many have ever told your kids, don't touch that, it's hot, and they touch it anyway? Well, you told them it was hot. You told them this happened. And so, but, but they learn by what? Experience. Same thing with that. If, if things aren't going right, we're supposed to be learning by experience and then learning how to walk in reverential respect of God. Are you doing all right? All right. So think about that. But yet there is a godly fear that belongs in the life of every believer. The psalmist exhorts us all to a godly fear and reverence for the person of God. Psalms 2.11, serve the Lord with fear. Psalms 5.7, worship Him in fear. Psalms 19.19, the fear of the Lord is clean. Psalm 25.14, God is with those who fear Him. Now, how many know that fear is not to be afraid or shaken or quaking or that, but respect for who he is. Reverence, respect, just like you don't stick your hand into a raw fire. Go with me to Psalm chapter 34. Read a couple verses with me here. Are you with me this morning? Psalm 34, and I want to read verses 7 through 11 with you this morning. Watch this. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who, and what? Delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. I mean, no, that's a good thing. Amen. Verse, uh, verse 10. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Oh, come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Or in other words, how to walk in right respect in relationship with your heavenly Father. Romans 8 and verse 15, if you want to turn there with me. Just reading these verses. Because there's a difference between this kind of fear that we're reading in Psalm and what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Show me that fear sounds different than what we just read about in Psalms. There's, not a, there's no bondage of fear in God. There's a freedom and a deliverance and a provision of the life of God in walking in godly fear with the Lord. Amen? Right relationship with Him. God brings His provision to our life when we have right relationship with Him. Well, we read it in Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So that's, that's a different, a, a contradiction in the two types of fear. So look what he said. But you have received the spirit of what? Adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, we shared some of that with you last week and how we've been adopted in to the family of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read 2 Timothy 1.7 about that spirit of fear. <coughs> and so these verses tell us that there's a spirit of a bondage connected to ungodly fear. But that is not the fear of God that we need in our lives. Would you agree? Amen. Well, let me hit this next point. The difference between knowing in whom we have believed and too much knowledge. 
when there's too much knowledge, there can also be not enough God. Knowledge about God without a relationship with the person of God produces an unreality. It is the fear of an unreality that we are to address in our personal life through a living relationship with the one in whom we have believed. I don't just want head knowledge about God. I want real knowledge. Amen. You don't have to explain everything about him. I just have to know him. Amen. I, I like the, the, line, the, the blind man at, at, at just sitting by the road and Jesus makes mud and heals his eyes. And, and he doesn't even know who he is. He just though this guy walked by, spit, made mud, put it in my eyes, told me to go wash, and I see. But the more they begin to question him and challenge him in their thing, he just goes, I don't know who he is. He just bit this. But then he begins to go, wait a minute, just thinking about it. If he isn't from God, he couldn't have done anything and doing all this stuff. Next thing, progressively, he's getting a revelation of who spit and put mud in his eyes. And he doesn't have any background in teaching, but he goes, you know what? He is the Christ. Next thing you know, Jesus appears to him and doesn't give him a doctoral dissertation. He said, do you believe in the Son of God? He says, who is he that I might believe in him? Jesus says, I'm here. He said, Lord, I believe. Amen. That's what God, he, God wants you to believe in him and to know him. Amen. That's what he's after in our lives. Praise the Lord. I, I like what T. Austin Sparks has. He defines uh, an, an unreality as this. It's having divine truth without divine power. Having divine light without divine character. Having the knowledge of things without the formation of Christ in our life. Having a great deal of teaching without, becoming, without it becoming effective in our life. How many could agree in our world that there is no shortage of teaching truth, mental knowledge given to us in spoken ministry, books, media, internet, yet far too often there is no corresponding measure of life? What does that mean? That means there's no power in Christ's likeness to any degree in the lives of those claiming to know Him. The reality is that that is the reality, and reality is always the ultimate test of what we have or what we think we have. That's the final test. What is it really producing in our life? What is our relationship with God producing in our life? You see, the test will never be how much we know of what is in the Bible or how much truth we have received. The test will always be what does it amount to in our lives? What does it amount to in our life? How does it produce relationship with God in a practical way? What fruit does it produce in our lives and in others? How does it work to bring Christ to others who is the way, the truth, and the life? Amen? How many know Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father except by me? And so when we're sharing the knowledge, that's what we want. We want people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and be brought in that living relationship with Him. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ in person. After that, he was only concerned with one thing in his life after his conversion. He wasn't concerned with fame, ministry, promotion, or even acceptance. His heart's pursuit was to know Christ. All Paul wanted to do was to know Him. Amen. 
just pressing in to his presence. We sing about it. We sing about the Lord. We sing beautiful songs about the Lord. Somewhere we go from singing to engagement. Where we engage and we press into him. And we, and we, just, we, we don't just want another good song. We don't just want another good word. We, we want him. We get to that place where we just want him. I don't need to know another thing about him or hear another thing about him. I just want to be with him face to face. Amen? Paul wrote to the church of Corinth a lot about face to face encounter with God. Think about that. So, not just to work for Christ. Not just to have an intellectual understanding of atonement and redemption through his blood shed on Calvary's hill. Paul was out to know Christ in the fullness of fellowship and suffering if need be, in order to attain the resurrection of life for all of eternity. Listen to his own word. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for, for Christ. But indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain cry. See, he's gaining him personally, knowing him personally, gaining him, not just the knowledge of him. I want to know him and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Wow. So Paul says, I just am after him. Something changes when our faith and our walk with God goes into a pursuit of knowing Christ. Not about him, not accumulating more, not, not just, I, I love studies, I love doing that. Nobody likes to study, probably uh, much more than me, some people, some people more. But I mean, I love studying as well. I love digging in. I love going deep. I love all that. But if I just go deep and never touch him, if I never reach him, if I never get the person, amen, then I miss the whole mark. The worship team can come back. T. Austin Sparks says this. He says this. We need a right kind of fear. I believe a divine fear. That we do not fill our notebooks or our minds with just simply more teaching, truth, and substance. But that every time, as far as there is something that can really affect us, result in something in us. So far as we are concerned, we are going to apply our hearts to that. Then day by day, when the days are past, we are different people. What does that mean? That if I'm not just going after the substance of knowledge, but I'm going to know, come to the place where I know the source of knowledge. Where I know Him, and I'm in relationship with Him, then day by day, I'm being changed. How many know we're being conformed and transformed into the image of Christ? We're to become like Him. Not just know Him, but literally be transformed and to be made like Him. I want to know the person that I'm supposed to be like. Amen. If I'm supposed to be like him, I want to know who that is. You see, Jesus said, John 10, 10, Jesus said he came that we might have life more abundantly in him. 
through the power of his resurrection, being delivered from the thief who only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that life is only found in knowing him. The more I know him, the more I have life. The more I just press into Christ. Jesus, I just want to know you. I just want to know you. I guarantee you, if you'll take time this week and say, Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you you show me truth from your word. But Lord, I just want to know you. I just want to hang out with you. I just want to meet you. I just want to see your face. I just want to hear your voice. We sang about hearing his voice this morning. You know, when you move into the room, when you think about what we did, when you come into the room, we're going to sing that again in just a moment. When you move, when you come into the room, everything changes. When he comes, not knowledge about him, not, not, not all that accumulation, but just the person. When God shows up in our lives. And you know what? He can show up in our church when we're assembled. He can show up in your car while you're driving home. He can show up while you're out walking on a path. He can show up when you're in the middle of your job and everything. You're under pressure and the day's going hard. and People are pulling you in so many directions and you're feeling. He can just show up. And when he walks into the room, when he walks into that moment, everything changes. And when you know him, you know when he shows up. When I know him, I'm aware that he's there. You sense his presence. Amen? And it changes everything. Think about it. Christianity is not about what camp we are in theologically, but about who we are in. We are in Christ. Too many want to pitch a tent of their own faith camp of religious teaching and tradition instead of biblical truth. Hear this this morning. Never become overly devoted to the teaching of a student of the master. Hear that again. Don't, be, don't become devoted to my teaching, to anybody else's teaching. We're just passing something on. Jesus was the only one who stood at the high priest and said, You have heard it said, but I say unto you. The goal of every teacher is to point you to him, not point you to them. Amen. And in America, we've missed it because in America, we, we, the church, we, we give up all that the world has. The world has all their celebrities. The world has all their stars. The world has all their leaders. And so we want to have some of those things in the church. The church isn't supposed to have those things. The church only has one celebrity. The church only has one star, and that is the son of the morning star. That's Jesus Christ. Be devoted to the teaching of the master. There are lots of great students, teachers, and teaching, but none supersede the master and his teaching. He is the living word. And I close this morning. I want to play this video. As I was preparing this message and going over, the Lord just reminded me because there, there, there's a theme in this video. It's powerful. And it's a tribute to S.M. Lockery, a great black preacher who just preached powerfully and served his life for God. But, but he just, there's just a clip of him. And it just says this. He says, do you know him? So Dave, you guys have killed the lie. And I want this turned up really loud. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king.
no means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Amen. came for you to know him. He invites you. Jesus said, come all of you that are burdened and heavy laden. Come and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and I will give you rest for your souls. If you live in a world and you're burdened and you're yoked and you're bound, question comes do you know him he's the one who came to lift those burdens
to break those yokes, to set captives free. Would you stand with me this morning? In the next few moments as we worship, you have an opportunity to press into his presence as we come together. Because he says when we assemble like this, that he would come in our midst and he would manifest himself and he would make himself known and by his spirit he would move upon our hearts and we would feel him drawing us closer not into knowledge about him but into a living relationship with him and in these next few moments you can press into a deeper relationship with him in these next few moments you can open your heart and not sing a song but just say Jesus I want to know you. I want everything that was just declared about you. I want it to be living reality in me that I know that's who you are. And that's who you came to be. And that's the relationship you've called me into with you. Where I'm not burdened, I'm not yoked by the pressure of this life. Where I'm not discouraged when I don't live with depression and anxiety. But I live free because you are the Son and you have set me free. So this morning, these next few moments, we're just going to worship. And this altar is open to you with no call. But if you feel the press of God and you just want to press into His presence and you want to meet Him here this morning at the altar, you're free to do that. You're free to stay wherever you are and respond in any way you want. But I invite you today to press into knowing Him. To say, God, have I just put you in a, in, a, in a cubicle of knowledge in my life? Can I set you aside and pick you up? Or God, do I know you and I carry you in my heart? Do I have you in a way that I can't get you out of my mind and out of my life and out of my heart? I want to know you like that. If that's your heart, then open up to him this morning as we worship.